Hello, I'm Clay Wallace, and I'd like to invite you on a tour of my hometown. Welcome to Any Old Place, a podcast of the Capital City Museum where we explore unique places in Frankfort, Kentucky, from the past and through the present. It's quiet. That's because we're in a library right now, the Paul Sawyer Public Library at 319 Wapping Street. Despite the lack of noise, the building is full of life as people browse, read, and work. Just a stone's throw away, though, that quiet runs a little deeper. The old federal courthouse building still sleeps, same as it has been doing for nearly two decades. I remember the last time I was in that old library building. I was in middle school at Good Shepherd, and our gymnasium was undergoing repairs. Generously, the school was able to make use of the emptied-out library for end-of-the-year ceremonies. My class filed into the large open room on the first floor to receive our Reading Counts Awards. There was something thrilling about it to me at the time, like being invited to see Disney World after they turn off the lights and lock the gates. Being in that building, devoid of books, librarians, and rabbits, felt like a kind of trespass, despite being under the supervision of my teachers. So I have two visions of this building. I can see the Paul Sawyer Public Library, bright and lively with the world to offer. And at the same time, I can see it empty, like I'm behind the scenes of a magic act. But some people carry a third vision. I interviewed Bill Kirkland, who was appointed assistant U.S. attorney in 1970. In that role, he tried the last case held in the old courthouse building's federal courtroom. For a time, the Paul Sawyer Library was on the first floor, which had been where the post office had been. And the court business was on the second floor, which included uh, a big courtroom, uh, the judges' chambers, the U.S. attorney's offices, the U.S. marshal's office, and the United States uh, clerk's office. And they didn't have a lockup on the second floor. Most federal buildings do. So the prisoners would sit in an adjacent room in handcuffs and leg irons. And when they were to come into court, why well, the U.S. Marshals would bring them in and, well, they'd take their leg irons off and probably their, their handcuffs. Um, I believe the last case tried there, which I tried, had to do with a truck that was stolen uh, from U.S. 60 Versailles Road. Uh, I-64 had ended at U.S. 60, Versailles Road, and they were just starting to push on through toward Midway and Lexington, and there was a construction holding area, and this truck was stolen from there, and I don't remember why that was a federal crime. It could have been that uh, it went to another state or there's some kind of interstate commerce involved, and that would have made it a uh, federal crime. Bill became a licensed attorney in 1967 after graduating from Vanderbilt Law School. Even at the beginning of his career, the building was already serving multiple roles. It was technically a federal building, courthouse, and customs house. 
at one time, there was always a federal courthouse building in every state capital. So I assume that's why we had a courthouse, a federal courthouse here. And this one was built in 1887. It had an addition built onto it on the backside, and you can see it from the flat roof line on the backside, and that added an office for the federal judge and for the U.S. Attorney's Office. I was sworn in there, I believe, in 1969, and it was not used much as a federal courthouse over the years because there just wasn't that much federal business around Frankfurt, even though it was the state capital. I think there were like eight counties or ten maybe that uh, <clears throat> were in the Frankfurt division of the federal court. I was sworn in there, I think, in 1969, and you had to sign a register book. And this was an old one. It was really old, and I kind of looked at it. And I noticed in the 30s, uh, A.B. Chandler had signed in. So he was sworn in, I guess, in the same courtroom I was. And we had one week a year of a federal uh, criminal term. And I think it was always in July. It was in the summertime. And usually Judge Monahan. uh who sat in Lexington, he, he was from Nicholasville, uh, was the presiding judge. Also, occasionally, Judge Swinford, who was the other judge, would come to Frankfurt, I guess, for a civil case or a civil hearing uh, occasionally. Judge Swinford always liked to eat at the Southern Hotel dining room, which is on 2nd Street, or was then. It's now the Southern Apartments, but they had a real nice uh, dining room, which he uh, enjoyed going to at lunchtime if he was in Frankfurt. I do remember one time Judge Monahan came over before the criminal term started to make sure everything would work okay, and he came in, and uh, the library was operating on the first floor, and he sort of suggested to the library people that they keep all their stuff back away from the elevator so that people could come in, the jury, the witnesses, the lawyers, and the litigants, uh, so they could get to the second floor. There was a time after federal court left there, about 1972, that the building was used by a local uh, Frankfurt players, uh, and there were uh, several plays that were held in the old courtroom, and uh, they used some makeshift uh, staging to do that. That's that's an overview of what I recall. Now, did the building ever flood while you were there? I guess the big Frankfurt flood was 76, or, and that was after it already moved. Well, <clears throat> I was 
later on the library board, and it uh, it did flood uh, in the late seventies. There were, I think, they had some uh, newspapers and maybe some magazines stored in the basement. There was very little of any value, but some of that was ruined, as I recall. And that's why we built the new library uh, up uh, about four or five feet. And that put the new library uh, at the 500-year flood level. If it had been built at street level, it would have been above the 100-year flood. And, and, of course, the new library is built so that the flood can get in the basement area, but there's not supposed to be anything of any significance at the parking area primarily. So that gives you a, a review of everything I know about the uh, old and new library building. So you, for what years did you serve on the library board? I think I went on the board in 1979, and I served through, I believe, 2006. I was on the board. I was chairman of the board when we uh, started construction. And then when construction ended the next year, uh, my term had ended. Uh, so it was dedicated uh, after I had retired from the library board. I'd be interested to know if since you since you were involved both in the building while it was a federal courthouse and since you were there while it was a library, is there any, you know, interesting places where uh, when the library did expand to that second floor where things took up the place what was the layout compared to when it was a courthouse? Well, eventually, uh, and like I said, for a while, uh, some plays were uh, carried out on the second floor in the main old historic courtroom. Later, when the library fully expanded up to the second floor, uh, they took that over uh, for books, and uh, the uh, uh, library director's office, the head librarian, was back in the part where the U.S. clerk's office had been, and uh, I can't remember uh, what went into the marshal's office uh, or our old U.S. attorney's offices. Uh, we had a in the U.S. attorney's office. We had a, a vault, and uh, a lot of evidence wound up being locked up there overnight. We had a gun case uh, where we had to store a bunch of uh, rifles and shotguns and guns back there in that old vault. So I assume. It's probably still there. I don't know. I assume it is. In Frankfurt, it's actually hard to find people that don't have a relationship with the library. That's due in part to the dedication and charm of its staff. I was lucky enough to sit down with two former longtime employees, Miller McKee and Janice Osborne, who show that the library is much more than just a building. In fact, it's sometimes on wheels. 
I started working at the library in 1998. I had retired from teaching English at Western Hills, and um, Miller was one of the people that interviewed me. And I, I actually had it was a trip because I figured I was the only person that applied, and he said, no. Oh, there were tons of There people. were hundreds of people. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so anyway, um, I was first hired, supposedly I was, I was hired to do outreach bookmobile. And Miller drove the bookmobile, as he'll tell you about. And um, so he was going to train me to do, to drive the bookmobile. So we went out one day and... This is like the I second or hit, third day there. I didn't hit anything per se, but I. Yeah, you did. You took the no the steps off or something. N- no, that was, it was not. A that was not me. That was Stacy that oh, okay. did that. Well, whatever. Um, but I hit. You know, I the mirror would keep hitting trees, and I'd come one inch away from mailboxes, and so it was like driving a bus. We decided. We agreed that after that trial run, there was no more bookmobile driving. So I used my vehicle and worked in the library. I I just was half time to start for a couple of years. We got rid of that bookmobile pretty soon after she started and and had got a Honda Odyssey van, which was a whole lot nicer. Your turn, Miller. Introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Miller McKee. And I worked at the library for 27 years, which is unbelievable. I farmed a lot before that, and then I got sick of farming. So one day I saw something in the paper. Somebody called me up and said, you know, they're interviewing for this librarian job. And I had a, a MA in my, back then I had a BA in English. And so I said, well, I'll go check it out. I, when I went in there, I had on coveralls, and I was in the middle putting hay up and stuff. But I just kind of clicked with Rita Douthat, who was the, the director then, and she was great. And so she was, yeah, she was terrific. terrific. So yeah. they asked me to come back for another interview, and I did it. And I just fell in love with everybody, the staff. And okay. The Tell her what you did other than farming, because he has a rich history I of don't jobs. Anything. No, uh, the airplane business. Oh, yeah. I applied for a job. I, can't remember now if I'd been hitchhiking. No, yeah, I'd been hitchhiking for about a year and a half, and then I got tired of all that back in the day. So I came back, and I thought, well, I'll do something with my girlfriend. And we came back, and we got a little place way out in the country near Peaks Mill. Miller, don't and go into for, the details wait a of minute. your we applied for relationships. Job, jobs with the state. And, you know, I, I, I don't even know what I applied for. But they called me back the next day and said, how would you like to be an aerial photographer? I said, well, yeah, I'll be an aerial photographer. Why not? It was a great job. And, you know, I got to go fly up and tell the pilot where to go, and I'd take pictures. That's back when they didn't use satellites or anything. So we had to film all these, everything for the whoever wanted it, industries or whatever. So, And it was the Department of Photogrammetry. So it was a nice job. But it led kind of up to me, you know, working at the library later on. So Is that how, what you want? Are you both, you're, have you always lived in Frankfurt? No. I grew up in Shelbyville. Well, actually, I was born in Eminence. Then I grew up in Shelbyville. And then I lived 
<laughs> 50 all over the country, yeah. Mexico. You, that would be a separate podcast. But then anyway, uh, and I wound up back in Frankfurt. My brother came back uh, to be a surgeon here in town. And so I thought this would be a good time to get close to him. And plus, I had a lot of friends out in Monterey back in the old early hippie kind of days. And so I, I lived out in Pigs Mill, which was close enough to them. And where were you before you came to Frankfurt? Um, I grew up in northwestern Ohio in a little town called Wasion, Ohio. And I went to college in Bowling Green in Ohio. And then I married, got married to um, a guy. We moved uh, to Moorhead, Kentucky, because he was still in college. And... Um, I started teaching English at, um, that that could be another story, Sandy Hook High School in Sandy Hook, Kentucky, and moved around quite a bit, and this was the last place I moved with my ex. Oh, well, he wasn't my ex at the time, but anyway, so I started teaching at Western Hills when we moved here. And then, as I said, I retired in 1998 and started working at the library. I stayed at the library for 19 years before I finally retired. Tell me about the bookmobile. Well, it didn't last very long. Once we started doing it, you know, it, it, it computers and technology had started evolving. And so, the, you know, people stopped getting on the bookmobile. And then we, I realized that most of the people that were getting on the bookmobile were older folks. And so I talked to Reed about it, and we decided, well, we'll just get rid of that the bookmobile and use a van. And so we basically started focusing on the elderly. And then we started talking to assisted living places, and we wound up doing a lot of programs at all the assisted living places in town. All right, Miller, go back, though, to the bookmobile. Like, okay. what were – you had some – Adventures. No, I don't get it. No, the, those are great stories. Tell about a well, couple of I'll them. I'll tell one. First day I took the bookmobile out, was, I was out in Peaks Mill, and I was going to have lunch. And so I thought, I, I don't know if you've ever seen a bookmobile. They're enormous. And the books are all on shelves on each side. And so I pulled up into this little, you know, dirt driveway, and I hit a little ridge, and the bookmobile rocked from the right to the left. And every single book in there, I'm not talking what, hundreds and hundreds of books were all lying in a pile on the floor. My first morning. Oh, my gosh. But, that you know, it was fun. I really had a good time with it. But And was it you or Stacy? Somebody, the brakes went out on Louisville Hill. No, that was Stacy. I didn't have anything to do with that. That was Stacy? Yeah. Okay. But anyway, it didn't last long. And so once we started going out, and Rita was so great about letting us set our own schedules, and we'd go see people, and we fell in love with these people. They got to be our best friends as well as, you know, patrons of the library. So we we were never on a time schedule. We were talking about that on the way over here. You know, how fortunate was that? We'd get to sit and have cookies and tea and hang out with them as long as we felt like we needed to be there. They wanted us there. Yeah, and some of them, um, I, I had a few, and I think you did too. I would stay... Yeah. I might be the only person they'd seen for 
two or three weeks yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And they were very lonely, but very articulate, well-read. Um, That's as one of the said, reasons they why would I heard. Feed us. Um, I heard. Well, I picked Janice out of this whole group of people because of how much I could tell that, you know, she loved being around older folks, too. And I think that was, a, I knew that was going to be a huge part of this job, mm -hmm. too. So, anyway, so I'll throw that in. Uh, but sometimes we'd stay, or I would, and I think you did, too, two or three hours. Oh, yeah. And just talk. We'd talk about books. But Got I could tell families. you, yes, almost everything about their families, probably more than their own families knew. I was a pallbearer for three of my patrons through the years. I know. You were what? A pallbearer for three of them. Oh, Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So that shows you how close we get to these Miller, people. tell about that. I don't remember her name. The one woman who was in the really, I think, awful situation in some nursing home that you had to take out or that you took out. Oh, I can't remember her name now. Well, don't say her name. Just tell about it. Well, I, it was, yeah, it was sad. And I, she went had to go in a nursing home and so... She didn't have hardly any family, and I just went over there, was visiting one day, and I just said, this is terrible, and she was so miserable. So I just packed her up and took her to her, her granddaughters or something. I called her granddaughter, of course, and worked it out. And uh, I just went in, picked her up, and took her out of there. God, they should have arrested me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I won't put They would So you can days. add kidnapping to my res resume. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, we probably did a lot of things that but were, we really were. That's technically how close we were to illegal to or unethical, but we felt like they were benefiting the people yeah, if that it we... Was to their benefit, then we tried to finagle our way around doing things. So uh, I'd be really interested to explore the angle of the services that the library provided both to the elderly, like with the bookmobile, and also to uh, youth programs and, and for kids' activities. Uh, most of my experience with... At, like, as an adult here in Frankfurt, I usually use the library for, I, I sometimes check out books there, but I'm involved in the Paul Sawyer Public Library gaming group that they do with the tabletop games. And then I also, I use the printers a lot because I don't have a printer at home. <laughs> and so those are kind of the services that I use the library for as an adult, but I only end up going, you know, a month, once a month or so. And then, but as a kid, I mean, I think I went every week or every other week. I was at the library a lot and it was very foundational to, um, I guess, my early community experiences. So I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on the specific, like, age-based services that the that the library provides. Go ahead. When, when I first started, I, when we first got the vans, um, we, Miller used to kind of help at the library with, some children's programs. I did. I, I went to some places. I, I re, yeah, and I read. This Miller is a wonderful that. musician, plays oh, the guitar, and I've told him for decades he needs to go on American Idol. Oh, yeah. That's he has, he truly has a beautiful voice. But anyway, so he helped with programs. And the only thing we did um, together for children was we did book delivery some daycares, right? Yeah, yeah, to all the daycares in the county and city. And we saw some really good daycares, but I also we we ran into a couple of really yeah, frightening situations. Mm -hmm. Like one daycare that was 
that will remain nameless. It was in a small church. Long time ago, though. Um, we went. We would take the kid in just quickly. We'd put it where um, they had told us to put the kit, and then we'd leave. Well, we went in this particular place one day, and there were like three or four babies out in this area, and they were in swings or playpens. There was not a single adult anywhere to be seen. Right. We put the kid up in the cupboard and the waited kit, a few not minutes. not the kid. <laughs> we the didn't put kit, the kid in right. the cupboard. <laughs> and so there were things like that yeah. that were pretty startling. And But that's about all, all that we really did with children. Then yeah. we just focused mainly on the elderly right after that. Yeah. And then, as Miller alluded to earlier, we probably in about 2005 started, decided, or I don't know whose don't idea know. it was, but somebody suggested Maybe Rita was still there. Do I don't programs? know that we should start doing some programs. So and they were terrific. We started so doing. We sort of weren't very original. Well, in the it, beginning, it all evolved. But we would do try to mix in. Yeah, most of them were seasonal, you know, like mm-hmm. for Christmas programs and Fourth of July. And then we started. God, we started grasping, but we did things like one on the history of aprons. That was pretty good. I wore a wig that for that one. That was a great program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one that I'll never forget was we did a Johnny Cash program, and Miller sings Johnny Cash better than Johnny and, Cash. And Janice dressed up like June Carter. It was great. I that had was this fun. disgusting long wig on. <laughs> And I remember we were at King's Daughters <laughs> doing a program, that. and as we were leaving, this elderly man came up and said— He was a British fellow. Was he? Yeah. How did he put it, Miller? Do you remember? Uh-uh. uh-uh. He, was, he, he loved the program. He thought it was so great. He, but he said something to James. He said, and you, my dear, were the best June Carter in the world, and you'd be— the perfect June Carter if you lose about 50 pounds. I think pounds. he said if you'd lose about 50 pounds, which was which Well, was I true. lost it. I, I was about on the floor. Like. And I wasn't at all insulted because I agreed with him. But it, we were in, we often were in hysterics after we'd go to some of the programs. And that, you know, we had so much fun doing this, too. And plus the fact that you add that on to the camaraderie and all that stuff. It was the most thankful job. Ever that, that I can mm-hmm. imagine. I mean, everybody looked forward to us coming to see them, and yeah, the programs. We were like oh my gosh, rock stars! We also did skits and things and involved people. All yeah, we were yeah. like the rock stars of the geriatric crowd, and <laughs> and now we are the geriatric crowd. I know. Uh, Another program I remember that stands out. We were doing a Christmas program at. Ashwood, and we we did a scene from what? Um, <laughs> oh Henry! Is this where that woman comes? Oh, oh Henry! <laughs> what is the gift of the magi? Of the so magi. I was I'll playing the the wife, and he was playing the husband, and so 
well, number one, I think I forgot most of my lines, and Miller was glaring at me. But then, Deer in the headlights over there. Sort of in the middle of the program, this woman stood up <laughs> and loudly said, I can't, I can't take, stand this. I can't, I take can't this stand anymore. this anymore. I'm getting the hell out of here. And anyway. We lost it. We, it was, we laughed. I mean, we didn't get upset her. And the people... <laughs> Oh, dozens of people apologized and said she just she has dementia. Just ignore her. But we were in hysterics. But almost laughing all the about programs that. were so, and a lot of them were off the cuff. But we practiced. We rehearsed a lot for these programs. They setting them up and getting them ready to go. Mm-hmm. And we do musical skits and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Miller would always sing. That was their favorite part. Oh well, I don't know about that, but it was fun. It was great. So the um, <clears throat> can you walk me through the physical building of the uh, the museum? Why do I keep saying museum of the library's former location? Which was a federal uh, courthouse, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and the post office. Yeah, and so the it post, had office, been a post that, office. Right. So when by the time I got there, it was still pretty rough in a lot of places. I mean, but but they had done a ton of work mm-hmm. on the inside to to get it back together. Children's room was incredible upstairs. You remember that. That was where the courtroom was, upstairs. And uh, they had, so it was kind of this huge room with this, the center part was where the, the Mary Great House and Rona uh, did, you know, were set up. And then they had like everything, all the stations and books and stuff were on the outside. It was really great. And the offices were incredible too with, you know, 14 foot ceilings and things like that. And, but it, I loved that old building. And the card catalog, they still had the the ancient wooden card catalog. Oh, I love card catalogs, but and I still they, do. About a year after I was there, they weren't using it anymore. They weren't using that when you were there, right? Yes, they, they were. did. Uh-huh. Oh well, I don't think we changed over until the new library. Totally. Okay. Um, the other you you mentioned earlier the restrooms. So there were only public restrooms upstairs, and you could take the stairs, of course, that beautiful staircase. Yeah, I love that. Or yeah. you could take the elevator, which was taking your life in your hands because about once a month somebody got stuck in the That's elevator right. and it was pretty Did terrifying. Did we get stuck in that one time? I don't think permanently, but I think for a few minutes it would, like, stop. It's and the only time I'd ever been stuck in an elevator. But they were beautiful. The bathrooms were, I mean, all of these rooms were in marble everywhere mm-hmm. that's the one thing i remember and like i mentioned to you earlier about the flood we had one really significant flood and the staff basically rita got us down there and we cleaned it all out and if you've ever cleaned up after a flood shoveling out mud that's just the beginning of it and everything had to be complete i mean it was a mess they did have people come in and hose it all down well we did a lot of that i mean it took days and it- and the moldy spell. That's one of the reasons they decided, you know, we got to get out of here and mm-hmm. build next door, which they owned that property too, and so that they could elevate it out of the floodplain, which was great. So how high did the flood get in, in from the perspective it got of up inside? To about two feet from the first floor. And yeah. we stored everything down in the, that big basement down there. So Yeah, all the... It was um, a mess. All the seasonal books were stored down there. We had to throw all that away. And we we had contracts with book 
companies where you just kind of rent the books for so long and then you have to send them back. So I think hundreds of those were ruined. Oh, it was a mess. Uh, the Furniture. friends, I think, had already begun a small organization and their things were down there. So they lost everything. But it, it was a nightmare. It was. A nightmare. And then we had a we also we had a flood from the um, remember the flood in the new library from the fire extinguishers. Yeah, we hadn't been in there two months, and the up near our office, yeah, one of the, the pipes burst and it flooded and all ran down on the all the book. I don't know, it was a mess. But one thing I was going to say, another thing about that building were the windows. They were a lot of them were stained glass. They were gorgeous windows and that do you remember all that miller oh i guess you you're do. losing it what i don't think there was a single stained yes glass. there were up in children's there were you, she didn't go in children's much no i think I she was sick of kids by then or something <laughs> <laughs> okay tell about um we had you had to take a ladder but what was that oh you right. could climb up to the Clock oh, tower no, no, or no. something? Yeah, what is what it was called? It? It's up on the cupola, up on top of the... Have you ever been up there? Never been up there, seen it. But. If, if you can get access to it, go up there. I used to go up there, and I, for some reason I'd go out on a roof. What was that about? I'd help Chris do stuff out there. Who was... Not Chris. Well, anyway, one of the janitors there. But it's a gorgeous view of the town. And you have to take, literally, take a ladder... I took, a, what's the, uh, she's a female children's author, author, and Rita had her there, and I, she wanted to go up in the cupola. You know who she is. I don't know. Well, I anyway. didn't know you went up in the cupola with an author. Well, Did anyway, she know what she was getting into? She wanted to go, but and I was the only one that would go up there. But it was real. it's a really neat. If you get a chance, go up there. I'm sure you can still get up there. But there was some in the old tile roof up there, too. That uh, It was just a great building. It is. Another, well, in that old building, I can't remember. I think they were upstairs somewhere. But there, there was a section where there were still some of the original, like, um, sorting bins that they used when it was the right, federal yeah. uh -huh. or the post office. And they were really... I don't so remember neat. exactly where those were, but they were really neat. When when I first started working, and I'm and then I think you did this too. I I worked reference the reference desk mm -hmm. every so many hours a week, and we then all we, had to, we had to take through. turns. Those of us who were the peons had to take turns on weekends, and um, I, I never worked the um, reference. The reference desk, I don't, it was in a very, very small room, not much bigger than this. It was open. I don't know if you remember it. Um, there was a kind of reading room down. It was on the first floor. And I think we had maybe four computers, four or five at the most computers that the public could use. So um, you had to get them on the computers and they were pretty primitive they computers were, they, at that time and we had a lot of issues with people misusing 
the computers or coming in off the street, um, sometimes inebriated. And now, that part wanting... of the building was on the side where the singing bridge is, mm-hmm. uh, the, where the reference was. And right across from reference was, is that, was that the reading room right there? Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 I've forgotten that. Yeah. So the stairs were gorgeous too. That's oh my the only God. thing I remember about it. Like, the, I, those marble stairs going up. Beautiful. I love mm-hmm. that staircase. I hardly ever took the elevator. It always scared me after we almost got stuck together. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, the things that stand out the most is those big marble stairs. And I remember playing like magic school bus computer games on one of the computers that was on the that was upstairs in the children's section. And I remember those bleachers or stairs that you could sit mm-hmm. on in the children's room yeah um that i would oh, there was right. like arts and crafts and there was i completely forgot about that they were beautiful yeah and then i remember the rabbit and that's everything i remember about the library oh was that rabbit there when the... that rabbit was still there and i, I think, think that rabbit lived to be about 112 yes and and he on, on at least one occasion that he'd i get they he'd get out He'd get out, but also, uh, I think over like a vacation, um, right. maybe Thanksgiving, he chewed through the wires on oh, right. some of the computers. So he might have been, um, I think he was banned to a farm after that because it was. Yeah, he was retired. Yeah. What was that bunny's name? You remember? I don't remember. I don't know what that rabbit I don't either, but he was very popular. He I, was. I looked forward to seeing the rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I liked him too. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, oh, you've told me about such cool, describe to people, describe, can you describe the physical appearance of the library from the outside? So of the old building, if you were telling someone who had never been, in, been to Frankfurt before how to get to the library from like a, of the Singing Bridge. And yeah, you always use the Singing Bridge as a reference because, you know, it, Everybody knows or basically knows where the singing bridge is. So you just say, go across. I used to say that all the time, just go across the singing bridge and you're there. Turn left and you're there. Mm-hmm. That's but, it. And it was, I, I'm not sure, is it limestone on the outside? The windows were a real issue. Yeah, One because of, as far as insulation and, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a cold building in a way. Yeah. And you could open some of the windows and others right. wouldn't open. Um, so if the if the uh, if the air conditioning went out and we tried to open a window, um, it often was not successful. I remember one of the one of the people that worked, Miller and I in the old building worked in this big room upstairs. And there were four of us in that office, and Nancy one of and the know. one of the people that worked there was had a uh, had a rather volatile temper. Take things of ours. He threw his computer out the window in the parking lot. Yeah, he threw them out out the window. He was a tech guy. And they landed in the bushes, luckily right. underneath. But, I was there. Yeah, the windows were a real problem. Fortunately, he got the window before he threw it out. <laughs> but it was a great place to watch, like, homecoming parades and stuff. Remember, we'd sit up oh, there yeah. from yeah. our office and watch them up there. Yeah. Um, so you two shared an office? We did. Four of us did. The two of us and um, I, the 
person who was the tech person and the assistant director was in our office. Right. There was another room. Jane was right outside of our office. Next to ours where was processing. Secretary. Um, three or four people in the processing department. The woman named Jane that was the bookkeeper. And secretary. Uh, she had a separate small. We all had to go through her office to get to our office. She's a doll. And then the director was right across from us in Rita a big Delta. room. And she had, oh, she had two, one or two faculty uh, or staff restrooms in her office. So if we didn't oh, yeah, want to use, use those public restrooms, which we didn't, right. we would have to interrupt her and go in her office. So it wasn't, it was a beautiful building. It was not conducive to a library Right. after so many years. You could tell it had been modified from... Mm -hmm. A post office or federal building, mm. both. So were you two on staff during the changeover between the libraries from oh, the old yeah. one to the new one? Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like and how I, your roles changed? Well for, well, for one thing, our office was, if you go out in the park up behind the library, the new library, and look up on the far right, you'll see the, uh, an office you know, we had this beautiful open, it was all windows that looked out over the river. So we had, I think we had the best office in the whole oh, place. Oh, it was stunning. And yeah, it really is. was. People would mm -hmm. just bring people up there just to look out the mm -hmm. windows. So, so we, we saw were, all manner of things over the years. Yeah, nothing went on that windows. we didn't see. Like during the floods, it was especially. Incredible. Yeah, like we'd see we were right about little it. sheds. One time floating we saw by. a dead cow with its feet up in the air, uh -huh. floating down the river. I mean, just all manner of things. It was fascinating. But it was, you know, it was a very creative place too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we like I was talking about our programs. There's a there was a lot of prep going into those programs. I still have a box of them that we're going to go through sometime in the next week or two before Christmas or something. But uh, that I saved the special ones, and because and Janice did all the. She put them all together and everything. But then, you know, we'd have rehearsals. She'd make us do that, play the same damn song, oh, excuse me, songs over and over, you know. But it really did make a difference in how professional we were, so to speak, semi-professional, semi. when we put these programs on. And we did some in-house programs, too. But most of the time, we were traveling. We had to pack everything up in the van and then go and unload it, do the program, pack it all back up and come back, unload it and take it up and put it back up. One of the reasons that we're pretty sure our programs were really popular among the senior set of Frankfurt <laughs> was we gave prizes oh to my people gosh. that We came. decided early on, we want to have the, you want to bring in a crowd, give away a lot of prizes. So we do door prizes at the we always waited till the end to do this. Yes, too, and which I mean, they smart. were like little kids. I mean, who, who doesn't like a prize? Oh, they went nuts for get... Beanie Babies. You got into that Beanie yeah, Baby thing. Yeah, so, I mean, we would spend often a couple of hundred dollars Donna just on a said, program. you don't need a budget, just do it. Rita, especially. No, she didn't say, you don't need a budget. Well, she was very frugal. But Donna was, she was Rita generous wasn't. about letting us... Um, we get, didn't have yes. any complaints. Anytime so we'd we have them we all it. put their names in a hat, and then however many prizes, we'd draw them. And they just thought that was wonderful. It was. It was fun. That's so cool. 
It was. And in, in our also in our office in the new building, the windows were over here overlooking the river. And then back against the back wall, which was enormous, it was all shelving. And we had, I have no idea. Some of that stuff is still up there. Everything, every prop you could possibly imagine from wigs to costumes. And we, the different costumes we had were insane. We did all the, and all those different costumes. For You think about Halloween, and I can't even remember who we were, some of the Halloween things, but they were, they were really Just, great. Disgusting, to say the least. No, they weren't. What was that thing you wore at one time? <laughs> you were like some queen or something. No, Statue of Liberty. I thought it was going to die. She I, came that, up with this thing. On, and this that <laughs> was the 4th of July. That was the July 4th. You died. I probably got 50 pictures of that somewhere. <laughs> hey, it, it was fun. And then we did a cow. We did that. That one on cowboys, oh, it was one of my favorites. I found chaps and all these different things to wear. My dad has a, you know, a couple of cowboy hats that were left over, so I wore those anyway. And he sang Gene Autry songs for the program. It was, it was great. great. It was they great. loved old it. cowboy songs. Yeah, they loved it. Actually, when I at my retirement party, Donna gave me a keychain, which I still have for my little Miata, that has a cowboy hat on it and. You know, it's all cowboy-related stuff. It's so cute. Boots and things. Anyway. That's so fun. No, no. It was great. <laughs> we had the best job ever. So can you tell me about, um, this episode's primarily about the library in its incarnation in the old building, but because the new building was built on top of the city parking lot, um, and because before that it was the... It was a house. It was a house? A, was the there name was of, a beautiful, beautiful... Home. I, I mean, I never saw it. It was gone. My brain says pavilion or p -p was it tea? Terrace? Yeah, yeah yes. that's it. That's it. I just said mm -hmm. a tea just like that. That's it. And yeah, it I've was seen gorgeous. pictures of it. It was be beautiful. That, and they it tore it down to shame. put a parking lot up. Sounds like mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell. But, but I, I do remember, and this doesn't really relate to what we're supposed to talk about, but um, there was a of lot does. of discussion before the new library was built about the best location and was very controversial it really because was. the people on the east side wanted it there the people on the west side wanted they it there they looked down at, like off of Wilkinson the, the sand where the old sand place used to be mm -hmm. they, they looked at that place and looked at the connector um, out where right. CCU and some of those buildings are now so when the board finally settled on this i don't think most of the staff thought we in, it should be down we were into it we thought it ought to be out on the yeah. bypass or yeah somewhere. but now that it's that it's all of it yeah i think it's in the perfect location yeah. for the whole community and i think it's a real asset um the whole process of moving i don't know if you want to want to Want me to mention Moving that. from the old building. I mean, it was it a was, nightmare. I don't know. Didn't we have the prisoners help us a lot? Yeah, a lot. We couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, and they've real, they really were helpful. And yeah. during the floods and everything, they'd often get some of the um, prisoners mm -hmm. from the regional jail. Right, from the regional jail. And they were excellent, yeah, hard were. workers. They but were. we had to. I'm trying to think what we, as I remember, we would take. We had those rolling book carts, so we would pack up like one shelf of books, and like there was a there was a whole 
group of people that were volunteers, and I think they just pushed them along, all the way got over, them got over the, here, and then the somebody yeah. would load that shelf of, say, nonfiction or fiction, and that went on for a long time. It was time. an enormous process. It was just a nightmare, but I think it was well worth it. When, um, when that change ever happened, did you find that, and also, I guess, in res- retrospect of having the new library be open for, gosh, like 15 years now or however long it's, it's been open, um, are there programs and services that the library was able to provide at one location that it wasn't able to provide at the other? Was there anything that the new building enabled that the old building didn't? Or was there anything that made use of the old building in a way that didn't translate into the new building? I mean, I think there's so, so, so many things that happen in the new building as far that as were programming. That yeah. over there. There was no area to have adult program programs in the old building that I recall. No. I and mean, where would you have gone? There were, well, you, I guess you could have gone to that. We were ready to move. Yeah. Once again, I, I love that building, but it, it, it was just not conducive to being a modern mm-hmm. library at all. Um, the children's programs, although they did have that that children's area for for story times and so forth, there was really no place they could do crafts or um, right. could do other things. Um, what else? I, I mean, it was just a necessity if the library was going to continue. Yeah, we, we had to go that, somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, it, it just wasn't going to exist in the building anymore. And prior to the new library being designed or completed, um, we, all the members of the staff, um, I think we all got to go several times. We visited numerous libraries throughout Kentucky. I think a few people, maybe on the board and the director, went out of state and looked at the physical um, layout of other libraries and tried to incorporate the better things that we saw into our library. So, you know, I always felt like when I when we still had a reference desk in the new library and I'd work on the reference desk, if visitors would come in, on, usually they'd be there on Saturdays or Sundays and they want maps or what, just wanted to look around. And they would see our library and just say, this is this is one of the most beautiful libraries I've yep. ever seen, yeah. and especially the stained glass. They're all blown away, and rightfully so, by the beautiful and stained Donna glass. Donna had everything to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. That was yeah, that was great. Yeah, and the board, I think, and the friends paid for most of it. So Mark um, being a big part of that too. He was on the board forever, and he's such a sweetheart, you know. And but he he was so dedicated to the library. Yeah, I think we've had over the years that I've been aware a fantastic board, very progressive. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, I think they are willing to fight for what they feel is best for the community. Um, so I think Frankfurt is blessed. And I guess. Uh, Kind of my final question is, do you have any particular memories of the old library, of something that happened in the old library or of maybe a part of the library itself that 
that you feel is, you know, interesting to share or that you reminisce on? I, you know, I, I can't help but think about the flood. And, and, I, and that's too bad because that's such a negative number on that building. But it, it, it was, it's in the floodplain. And, I, you know, there's not much you can do about that. But I, one of the places, what was over in when you came down the stairs and you, instead of turning right to reference, you turned left in that big area over there. What was the that? The circulation. Circulation. Yeah. I, I really enjoy just going over there sometimes and sitting over there in that park. It, that's the, the part that's towards, toward the new library. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that, too. And the view was course of a parking lot but still it was I enjoyed that part of the building but I loved I, I loved it all I did when I first children's more than first anything. started at the library um we didn't have the office upstairs that was bigger that we no, shared we with a couple right. so we were downstairs in a tiny room there were you and myself and Mark Canard. and Stacy and the mailboxes were also in the same room. So, so if everybody was back in our work, office climbing yeah. over everything to get the mail. Yeah, you never could get anything done without being interrupted because somebody would be coming. To, it, was, it was a it was horrible a, situation it was, it was a for answer. all the staff um, also. All right, I have one. Miller will remember this. This is really not so. Maybe. It happened in the old building. And... They've never let me forget it. But I had this patron who who was a dear, dear man. He was. Um, and he just, he absolutely loved me and loved, loved books. But he would, he was, I'm not quite sure how to gently put this. He he was lacking a few marbles, is but this, he was a sweet, sweet man. Is this the meat thing? I'm sorry. <laughs> And um, so every time I would take him Excuse books, <laughs> he wanted to give me a gift. And, and, you know, we weren't supposed to take gifts, but a lot of our people would give Insist. us something. Yeah. yeah. And so they'd be insulted if you didn't. So one year, this was right before Christmas, was the day, be- day we were getting off for Christmas. And as he gave a bag back, he said, I put a little something for you in that bag, Janice. And I said, okay. And so we were in a hurry to get get out get out of work. I didn't even look in the bag. Left it in the office. And so, so when we came in after Christmas break, several days, the, Jane, as we walked by Jane, she said, there is the most horrible smell in here. You have ever, he, she said, nobody knows what, what's causing it. And so anyway, I went into our office, and I think you were already there, and everybody was saying, it smells so bad. Anyway, he had given me some meat. Like lamb chops. Out of his sister's freezer. And it sat there for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say... That was, that's, yeah, that's one of the men, memories now we can laugh, but it was. I think was. that was a big reason we moved. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, too. Probably no. we'd, they'd but still was, be there. I'm glad you brought that up. It was disgusting. Yeah. 
My own mic cut out before the end of our conversation, but I asked Miller to talk a little bit more about his guitar playing. I got one more story. The women would sit there at our programs and tears would do, roll down their Do you cheeks. remember we were at Ashwood again doing a program one time and I sang, we, it was on dogs. You remember that? It was the first program we had in this whole series of programs. And I sang Old Shep. And by the time I got halfway through it, Janice was going like that. <laughs> there were sobbing. Everybody was oh, sobbing when it came to putting Old Shep down and if dogs go to heaven. You know, and it was, I don't know if you are familiar with the song, Elvis's Old Shep. We never did it again. We couldn't do it. People were just bawling in there. We said, oh, forget this one. But that's how you evolve. You learn from those experiences. You're just making a whole room of nursing home. Just make them sick to death crying. (laughs) Well, that was a good program. I mean, they truly loved it. Yeah, because it was fun. Back memories, of course. Brought up so many memories. And that's them. what they were good supposed memory. to do. Yeah. You know, and we would get them to tell stories, and and that's it'd get them involved in everything, mm-hmm. all the programs we did. Those were really special about memories of the library. If you ask me what my most, the special, most special times we had at the library, it was when we were doing programs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Though Miller and Janice have since retired, the library is hosting more programs now than ever before. From book discussion groups and author talks to escape rooms and yoga classes, there are events nearly every day of the week. I personally always look forward to Wednesday. That's when the library's online tabletop role-playing group meets. Tabletop role-playing games, or TTRPGs, are a kind of collaborative storytelling. Players create characters and then, with an element of chance, often introduced by dice or cards, narrate their adventures. Dungeons & Dragons is a popular system for running those games, but there are others, too. Right now, the library group I'm in is doing a Call of Cthulhu campaign, a tabletop role-playing game based on H.P. Lovecraft's works. Each session is hosted by my friend Wilhelmina T. Thrasher. I asked Mina how she got started running games for the library. Well, I had been going to the library semi-regularly, and a few years ago, the I had just noticed on the library's event page that they were going to try to do a tabletop game day in the spring where they would just, you know, have people show up to try different games. And I asked them if they had anybody who would be running any RPGs at the tabletop game day. And I think at the time they didn't. So I just volunteered to do that. And I think, I think there were two of us running RPGs that day and then two other people doing board games. And I just had a really, really good time. So I just made a point to keep in contact with the library about like doing similar things like that as the schedule opened up. Tell me a little bit about tabletop role-playing games and how you got involved in, in those and, and kind of how they enrich you, what they give you. If, if you were to ex- describe them to someone who's never played a TTRPG before. Well, if you're if you're not already familiar with them, I think the the most streamlined way to explain it is that it's it's like playing let's let's pretend, but with with rules. There's a there's a structure behind it, uh, and then from there, you know, the specific details can vary from game to game. But it's all about kind of negotiating success and failure in a in a narrative environment that all the players kind of collectively create. And do you run games elsewhere? 
Yes, I do uh, run games at home, and I run games for friends. I have been uh, Capital Pride Kentucky, which is the uh, local LGBTQ advocacy uh, group. Uh, I have started running a D&D game for them about once a month. It has been very, very fun. And normally I would also, uh, several times in the summer, organize special tabletop and live-action role-playing events at conventions, but the pandemic kind of put a halt to that, and it still currently has not really recovered for me as far as that's concerned. I think I think since the pandemic began, I think I've only done two uh, uh, conventions in a gaming capacity. And what do you enjoy about running games? What, what, do you, what makes you choose to DM or GM um, as opposed to playing the games? I I love facilitating the players' entertainment. Like I, I love it when they're getting as much of a kick out of the game as I am, if not more so, whether that's me doing a really entertaining NPC or setting them up to have interesting dramatic or narrative moments. It and, and that's kind of the secret. I want to see them and their characters succeed, but I have to include challenges. I can't make that easy. <laughs> That is what's fun for me because if if I won every single time, it it <laughs> wouldn't feel like I had really done anything. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another it, to to just like drop a hint for anyone out there who is uh, running games or is looking to be a, a GM. Uh, any failure can be interesting. It's all about those failures are going to happen. It's all about making those failures interesting for your players and for yourself to an extent. Um, and how does the library support you in being able to run these games? Well, first and foremost, uh, the library has a Discord, which it's it's generous enough to let me use to <clears throat> excuse me to to share information about the game. Uh, also, the library has uh, the library has these awesome meeting rooms and. They've allowed me to use their meeting rooms to do gaming events, both official demos that I run for the library, but then also private events that I just want an interesting venue for. In addition to her current Wednesday campaign, Mina also hosts monthly demo days where she leads players through short introductory games in different systems and settings. These demos are lots of fun, both for experienced players and for total beginners. One of my goals with the demos and, you know, one of the goals with the library for offering me the space to do those demos is that I want it to be a welcoming place for new people. And I personally really enjoy introducing new games to people and introducing people to new games. Uh, I I do everything in my power uh, to make it a, an easy to get into fun experience. And the other nice thing about, about that demo, the ones I do with the library, they're all about two hours long. So it's short and it's very low pressure and, you know, it's very low stakes. You're never going to have to worry about your character from the demo ever again if you don't want to because they're really only going to exist for that one demo on that one day. And then next month, it'll be something completely different. There's no shortage of ways to engage with the library, both in and out of its current home at 319 Wapping Street. Despite the floods and the move, the library carries an unbroken lineage of community engagement and enrichment. And though it sits dormant, that may also be the future of the library's old shell at 305 Wapping Street. 
the old federal courthouse building is now the property of Kentucky State University. I was granted an interview with the current president of KSU, Dr. Kofi Akapo. He says though plans have changed since the university bought the building over a decade ago, he still envisions a new life for that space where students and community members can connect and collaborate. I wasn't here when the building was acquired, but what I was told is uh, the plan at that time was uh, archive space for Center of Excellence for the study of uh, Kentucky African American and Discovery Center connected to the floating science lab on the river. But when I came along, I saw the building, the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, make it business, innovation, and incubator for the city of Frankfurt. It's something that we had done uh, at Central State. And also, uh, the University of Cincinnati has done something similar, where they got funding from Fed for $75 million. So I told the mayor, that's what I hope we can do with the building bring vibrancy to downtown and bring business, entrepreneurs and everything. And also as a result to bring uh, investors to the region. But it's gonna take some funding to make it happen. Could you talk about what that partnership program looked like at Central, Central State? Uh, It's a place for people to come and try new ideas. Uh, We even have a, a director for business incubator we got funding to do it. The student can do internship, co-op, and everything at the site. So that's uh, something I'm hoping. I have not seen any grant yet, but if we can land a grant like that, that's what I want to see us do it. I, I, I don't know anything about how a program like that would work. Is it people from the community building businesses there that then involve students, or is it business students from the college who are having these both, ideas? Both. Having people with new ideas come in there and try the idea out, it just, uh, uh, it's uh, creating the entrepreneurial mindset in the community. Dr. Acapo says making the incubator a reality would require dedicated funding and grants, which have not yet been secured. I asked him what he believes students could gain from the business incubator experience. You know, uh, I always believe everybody was born smart and intelligent. We all have a, a gift that we have. And uh, giving a student a chance to build something is always uh, unbelievable because some student, you wouldn't believe what they can come up with. And you look at some of the great companies we have today, Dell, uh, Microsoft, and others, some they started those uh, either in the garage or in the basement or in the dorm. So giving students an opportunity to build something is always something that I enjoy doing or admire. So giving them that opportunity, you don't know how much potential we have in this region until you, you expose people to something like this. It's still my hope we can get the funding. But if not, I'm open to working with anybody who want to make it better for the community because I'm not selfish. It's, uh, we all are here to serve. We are the university of the community, a community, whatever we can do 
to serve the community. The old federal courthouse building, though empty, is full of possibility. When I told my mom about this episode, she sent me an old picture of the room which was at one time the courtroom and at another time the theater stage. In this picture, probably taken around the year 2000, the room is being used for a children's storytelling event. My sisters and I, all three of us under the age of five, are wearing homemade Madeline costumes from the children's book series, while my mother is dressed as Miss Clavel, the nun. Everyone who has ever encountered the building at 305 Wapping Street has a picture like this in their minds— a grand, magical place with so much life it can't help but reach beyond its walls. Even as the building sleeps, I like to think it's dreaming. I offer my thanks to my guests, Bill Kirkland, Janice Osborne, Miller McKee, Wilhelmina T. Thrasher, and Dr. Kofi Acapo. Thank you to the Capital City Museum for providing constant support, to the city of Frankfurt for making this production possible, and to you, listener, for sharing your time here with me. Any Old Place acknowledges the long history of life in the land we now know as Frankfort, Kentucky, which has been home to Cherokee, Osage, Yuchi, and Shawnee peoples. Any Old Place is a production of the Capital City Museum in Frankfort, Kentucky. To learn more about the Capital City Museum, visit capitalcitymuseum.com. Or come see us in person at 325 Ann Street, Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. This program has been recorded, edited, and produced by me, Clay Wallace. I offer it to you, listener, with the belief that story grounds you in both space and time, and with the hope that it inspires you to befriend the world around you. You can find something worth tending in any old place.